Got world. so many strongest soldiers, so it's never over Even if you need someone to hold you to keep your composure Even on the days you're moving slower and can't seem to focus You were meant for greatness and you know it, you just gotta show it Know you question life a couple times, but it's okay, you growing Know you gotta read between the lines, but it's okay, you on it Know you got some people in your life that's gonna make you want it Know you got some people by your side when you look into their eyes All you ever do is smile, cause they make you worth it Already know this life ain't perfect, but you gotta work it Welcome kings and queens to One Sick B. I am your host, One Sick B. Here at One Sick B, we don't cry, we thrive. We don't whine, we whine. Remember the definition of One Sick B is a strong individual that faces or fights through unimaginable, undeniable, courageous battles that life throws at you without warning, but you refuse to carry the spirit of brokenness. Today, I am blessed with a guest who is a doctor and specializes in living with holistic living, excuse me, specializes in living holistically and healthy ways to manage your multiple sclerosis. She also herself is an MS warrior. Welcome Dr. Folek to One Sick B and thank you for coming and being, I'm honored that you are my guest today. How are you? I am well, One Sick B. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored as well and excited to be here. Thank you. Well, let's get into it. Uh, as you know, we're in this new world of COVID-19. What and how has the COVID affected you? Positive, negative? How have you been feeling during covid uh, it's it's been a lot with COVID because we're going on two years now with this um, pandemic and um, it's been isolating in a way, even though I wasn't someone that was active socially anyway, but it's just been more isolating because with me having um, PPMS, primary progressive multiple sclerosis, um, and being on a disease-modifying um, therapy, I am at risk for COVID. So that puts the whole family kind of on eggshells, really, you know. Yeah. And, that's, and we're still living like that. You know, I go out and I see a ton of people not wearing their masks and everything. Um, it's not the same for us. We are still careful. We're still yes. not socializing. We're still not going out. We're still wearing our masks even though we're vaccinated. So it's it's been a lot, especially for my daughter because it definitely affected her social life. And she's a yes. teenager, so she needs to socialize. Yes, yes. Um, I have teenagers too. They're, this is a time where they're going out, uh, figuring out themselves in the world and being social. And for them to have to kind of isolate themselves because I can't have you around everybody because this might come back to me because we don't know how. We know we're getting COVID. What, what's the reason that the cause or what it is? How exactly are we catching this, should I say? Well, yes. let's get in it, into it. Dr. Foley, um, I would like for you to share your journey from beginning when you got diagnosed, your symptoms be prior to diagnosis, if you felt you had symptoms and upon this diagnosis, let's get into it. I'll let you start. Okay. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long journey. My actual diagnosis with PPMS was in 2016. So that was not, you know, that long ago. But um, I have had symptoms of MS since I was a child. 
and um, it was active in my wrists and sometimes in my ankles as well. Now, I remember being in the UK in my late teens and um, I had to go see a doctor because my wrists were really bothering me. Um, I was trying to do this little job that had me doing rep you know, repetitive motions and stuff. And right. um, that was bothering my wrist. So he looked at it and he said, I had tenosynovitis, which is inflammation in the tendons of the wrist. So I was like, okay, so we're doing the anti-inflammatory, you know, doing the wrist braces and resting it and all of that stuff. This continued to progress though. So that by the time I was in medical school in my early twenties, I was diagnosed with um, carpal tunnel syndrome. And I would have these episodes where I just would not be able to function, especially with my left hand. And it got to a point where there was swelling in the left hand and um, the pain and pain and the pain would go up my arm. It wasn't just in the wrist. So it didn't really fit typical carpal tunnel, but that was what they called it anyway. So at that point, this particular episode, my hand swelled up and I could not get the swelling to go down. Um, and I started losing function in my left hand. So I was told that I needed an emergent surgery at that point. And um, they went in and did what we call a carpal tunnel release. Now that helped my acute symptoms where I got my function back, but it did nothing for the chronic symptoms, you know, that I've been living with for years that was right. still there. And the explanation was like, oh, well, when some people have the surgery, um, they develop scar tissue after. So that's why you still have the same symptoms, blah, blah, blah. So that was, that was the explanation. And over the decades, I literally lived with this. Um, it was a disability because I couldn't learn how to type even as a teenager because that flared it up. And I have a question. Do you think yes. that maybe you got overlooked because you were a minority at that time or a woman? Or do you think that um, it seems that because I went a long time before getting diagnosed. Do you feel that maybe any of those reasons were the reason that you had not been diagnosed? I think all of it plus the fact that at that point I was in Nigeria and uh, multiple sclerosis was just not as common in Nigeria then as it is now. Growing up, my best friend's dad did have multiple sclerosis and um, I believe his was primary progressive too. So I did know someone with it and he was disabled, he couldn't work and all of those things, but that was the only person I knew with MS. And um, it wasn't something that people were diagnosing routinely then because of course, back then we used to think that black people didn't have it so it right. really wasn't so much that we didn't have it, in my opinion, but mm -hmm. it wasn't getting diagnosed because the literature didn't, you know, Match. talk about it. Right. And there was not enough research on us at that point. So basically in med school, I actually made a decision that I was not going to go into a surgical specialty because I didn't know what was going to happen to my fine motor skills because you need that for surgery. So I decided I would still be a doctor, but yeah. I would not go into surgery. And that's okay. why I ended up becoming an internist. You know, I did my residency here in Atlanta in internal medicine. So over the decades, this is just something I lived with and it was a disability, but I, you know, you don't even see yourself as disabled because you've always had it. 
Yes. So, and over the decades, it was always physical problems. I never had any other issues. It was always one physical problem or the other. And it got to a point where after I'd gotten married, if we went on vacation, I couldn't do a lot of walking because of the pain and the stiffness I would develop in my hips and my legs. Mm. And I just thought it was bursitis and I didn't know why I was prone to bursitis, but it was just one of those things. So um, when I turned 40, that was um, December of 2013. That was like, you know, one of the high points of my life, apart from when I got married, we went right. to Dubai, um, had a party there. We had about 25 people from all over the world, you know, friends and family members, my parents who were there, my yeah. elderly mother-in-law, just everybody that yeah. loved, really loved me and was close to me was there. So Aww. it was awesome. But yeah. also during that trip, I was having trouble um, walking. My mother, my father, they could walk better than I could with regard to distances. So it was concerning. And when, whenever that happened, I would need to rest for days and not really go out. So that did happen. And I just thought, well, I don't know what this is, but you know, this is me, period. Now, a month later though, in January of 2014, I woke up, got to work, and then I just developed this excruciating low back pain. And um, within two weeks, it had gone into my left leg and I was dragging that leg. So of course I knew it was probably some disc stuff. You know, I went and saw a doctor, did the MRI and all that. And they were like, yeah, you had a disc herniation. And the whole time, you know, it was a lot of whys from my husband and I, but we really never got any answers. The doctor was like, yeah, you're 40. This is around when people get, you know, develop those problems and stuff. Right. My husband is like, you know, she exercises six days a week. Even before I met him, I exercised regularly. I was not overweight and um, I didn't have any injury. So how does she just herniate a disc so seriously that she can't use her left leg and she can't walk properly. So we continued down that path. I had the epidurals and all the different things, physical therapy, got a little bit better, then got worse. And then I went and saw a neurosurgeon and we planned for surgery. So in September, I went ahead and had surgery. I had relief for three days. And then I started having that pain in my leg again. And I was like, but this is what the surgery was supposed to fix. And then I ended up with a complication called a CSF leak. That's the cerebrospinal fluid. And for three weeks, this neurosurgeon would not admit that I had this complication. He even ordered a CT scan that was the wrong one. And, you know, he was more concerned about his... Um, his 5% rate of complications. And I think he was at the threshold where if I had, you know, developed a complication, his numbers would be skewed. So it ruins his day. I think he was just wishing it would go away, but it didn't. Yeah. About three weeks later, I had um, a seizure in front of my daughter's second grade class um, in front of six-year-olds, traumatized those kids, and they had to call the ambulance and get me to the hospital. Then two days later, he went back in and um, admitted that there was a CSF leak and he repaired it. So that was three and a half weeks after the first surgery. So in September of 2014, I had two back surgeries. And um, so 
during this journey, you may, if you have may have been diagnosed sooner, you yes. may not have had to go under and have these procedures that really were not meant for you, even though they were in there and they might've seen minor instead of speaking up and saying, Hey, I see less of this. And I think maybe you should get more background on what's going on or not background about my apologies, my articulation, uh, find, uh, another doctor to that, to kind of give yes. you a full, a full look to a full, a full panel, a full. Yes, checkup. exactly. You got it. So everything was still disjointed. Everybody was just doing their own thing. Nobody yeah. was putting it together. So I had to put it together now for three and a half, it took me three and a half months to even recover enough to go back to work from that surgery. I healed like I was 80 years old, you know, rather than my actual age. And um, when I went back to work in December of 2014, I could not go back to full-time work. I could only work part-time because I was, I was disabled. And at that point I started using a scooter most times when I left the house. So over the next two years, we kept getting screened, you know, I kept getting screened for rheumatologic disorders. It was still negative, just like it had been in my 20s. And I had to put everything together. And by early 2016, I realized I was dealing with primary progressive multiple sclerosis. So I took myself to a neurologist. He did one or two brain MRIs. Um, you know, they didn't see anything. What they saw could have been migraine. It wasn't right. anything that looked like it the was lesion. Exactly. Lesion. They weren't very clear-cut lesions okay. compared to what I was feeling. So he said, no, you don't have MS. He refused to do a spinal tap. He refused to order any more tests. I guess he just felt like, you know, and of course this is here in Atlanta, you know, right. this happening now. I think he just felt like because the literature said black people, you know, don't really have MS. He didn't think that's what I had. So he basically shooed me away. <laughs> and even though you have some education oh, at yeah. this point, you, oh, and yeah. you know certain symptoms and you know what typical not, and you may have did research for yourself yes. and you yes. still were pushed away. I was pushed away. And this man worked for the same health system that I worked for. So it's not like he didn't know who I right. was or anything like that. Also, he knew about the history of carpal tunnel and he had even done some you know, nerve conduction testing. And he was like, you don't have carpal tunnel. So if he had testing showing that it wasn't carpal tunnel, one would think maybe he would put it together but no, he didn't. So I had to take myself to the MS Center of Atlanta. And honestly, if I was not my own advocate, I don't even know if I would still have gotten a diagnosis now, which is really crazy. So I took myself to the MS Center and I was so blessed to meet a doctor who had decades of um, experience with MS. So even though I did not meet the McDonald's criteria when Mm -hmm. I saw him, he spent the next eight months having me do tests that will rule out everything else it could be. Okay. I went back to the rheumatologist. They ordered, send out tests to special labs I'd never heard of. I went to an ENT. They did something called a lip biopsy, you know, to rule out Sjogren's. I went to a geneticist. So they would rule out all these mitochondrial disorders. I did all kinds of tests because everything he did for MS did not add up as per 
matching my symptoms yeah. and matching the criteria. But you know what he went ahead and did because of his experience? He went ahead and called it and gave me the diagnosis. And it was relief. It I was wasn't, just going to say go a blessing. Yes, it, it was, it was a blessing because here I know yes. what this is. I knew what it was, but now you confirming yes. it and somebody acknowledging everything that I've been going through and feeling and confirming it relieves me from the fact that people making me feel crazy or, you know, yes. that maybe yes. that I'm looking too far into my head. But even though I know these because I'm going through these symptoms. Yes. Because you're right, nobody believed me. My friends didn't believe me. Even my friends who were doctors thought I was crazy. Like, how could I be thinking of something as big as MS? My family members, everybody thought I was crazy. They didn't and understand. And that's what I was going to ask you. How did your family and your friends around you, uh, even though they seen these things, and mm -hmm. how did they uh, treat you, or how did they feel, or what was the energy that you felt going through this, going through this journey? Because you went through a long period oh, of yeah. time where you didn't even oh, know yeah. so through these years how did people around you react thankfully I have had the most supportive people ever even when they didn't believe what I thought the diagnosis was they didn't know that something was wrong and that you know I was dealing with something and I have always had the most supportive um, people around me from my husband to my uh, my parents, my brother, my friends, and you know, oh, I can't that's even. That's a blessing. Yeah, yeah, and they they did not change. They did not act funny. In fact, I think I'm the one that changed because I, of course, I couldn't. Even though I, I'm I'm an introvert anyway, yeah. but I even did less because when you're disabled and you have something like MS, which saps your energy and everything and I was still trying to work because you know I worked injured for literally seven years before I quit this year and which that's is amazing a different story which I really shouldn't have because I think I just delayed my healing yeah. what I did but honestly I had the greatest support system people cooking for me bringing me food mm. checking up on me and Definitely all that a blessing a community around you I know a few people were mad that I didn't like talking on the phone anymore because yeah. I just became a texter, like yeah. a teenager, because it took energy out of me to have yeah. conversations. Yes, I, I say that all the time. Like, you know, I'm, I'll am i shoot a text. I mean, I enjoy having conversation. That's why I uh, created this podcast. But you're right. Um, it does take energy um, out of you, especially if you, you know, sometimes you have real good, good, deep conversations. Sometimes you have real light and funny conversations, but just the the fact that it takes energy out of you so being that you went through this journey uh that's unimaginable and the, that's the reason why one sick b that's one of the terms i use because that's unimaginable to have not been diagnosed or not to have any questions how would you or should i say how would you tell somebody else to advocate for their self what would you tell them to do or what things as a doctor and also as somebody who went through that, what advice would you give them on how to advocate for themselves? Oh, that is such a loaded, loaded question. I, oh, um, I, I cannot tell you how many patients came to me while I was still working. And I'm so glad that I was there to, you know, be that blessing to them. But a lot of people came to me who had MS and were having trouble getting diagnosed. Some of them even had lesions on their MRIs and everything, but they had all those doctors who, when you have doctors who are treating the book rather than treating the patient, that's what you get. So mm -hmm. I sent so many people 
to my doctor and every single one of them got a diagnosis of MS and started treatment and all that. Um, I am forever thankful to that man. And even though there was no medication for PPMS when I was diagnosed, the fact that I had the confirmation of what it was allowed me to dig deeper into holistic um, practices because I knew that that was my only choice at that point was nutrition, supplements, you know, lifestyle, getting rid of toxins and all of that stuff. And then finally though, when Ocrevus hit the market in 2017, I was able to get on it because I had a diagnosis. I didn't develop actual um, clear-cut lesions on MRI till after I had started treatment. So okay. I would have continued to go downhill. He, get, he gave me, I think he gave me more time and um, a chance to be a little less disabled because I would have continued down that path right. without anything if um, he hadn't given me the diagnosis. So I am thankful for that. But um, what I will tell someone who is having trouble getting diagnosed with, because a lot of people, just like I did initially, go to a regular neurologist. If you think by any means that it is MS or that has been a question, but they just felt like they couldn't call it and they shouldn't treat you because you've only had one attack or whatever, go to an MS center. That's what I will advise. Go to an MS center, see an MS specialist. And even if you do that and you feel like they're not a good fit, see somebody else. And look outside of your immediate um, locale because um, like my doctor, even before telemedicine became a thing, they were doing telemedicine. As long as I think, I believe as long as they saw you for the first visit in person, mm -hmm everything else could be done remotely. And I tell people that even on IG now, they come on my page and they tell me what they're going through. I'm like, get a second opinion, get a third opinion, keep seeing you know, more people till you get the right answer and look to other places, to specialists who might be better able to put it together. As long as you're willing to travel for that first visit mm -hmm. and you can do everything else remotely and they can kind of liaise with your local doctor to, you know, to get you um, treatment. So that's what I would advise for anyone who is still on this path. Um, I believe, um, and I appreciate that even though you go through your own imaginable, undeniable, courageous battle that you still are dedicating your life um, to others to help them so that if they go through this journey or they think they're going through this journey to guide them. What are some tools that you recommend for living holistically uh, with MS to help us uh, when after you're diagnosed during this journey? I'm 20 years in. What are some tools that you think that we should use or that you have for us? Um, I would suggest that people not depend solely on Western medicine. Um, you know, you can take your medication, but make sure that you are paying attention to nutrition. I do the WALS protocol and I'm on the third level of the WALS protocol, which is the strictest level of it, the most restrictive. Even Dr. Terry Walls herself does not do this year round, but I have to stay on it year round or I feel crummy pretty much. And um, so find a plan that you can stick with that works for you. And there's no one size fits all. So Every time I talk about this, I tell people, this is what works for me, mm -hmm. but there's AIP. Some people do the plant-based vegan. 
Um, some people have even healed from autoimmune conditions doing the carnivore diet. And that's because we're all different genetically. So what we respond to is also different. And if you can't figure it out yourself, see a functional medicine doctor. There are tests that people can run to figure out what your triggers are, you know. And this is not the same as um, food allergies. This is more of food sensitivities that trigger, you know, your symptoms and affect your quality of life. So nutrition is key. And then things that support things like, um, you know, make sure you are exercising. And um, if you've never had rehab and you still have trouble, you know, walking and in your lower extremities, I would say go to physical therapy. I was in PT almost continuously for two years at the beginning because I was so, so bad. So get some kind of rehab. And even after you're done with rehab, you got to make sure you exercise regularly. I exercise every day. And um, of course, during COVID, I started to do Zoom um, fitness classes because we couldn't go to the gym anymore and all that. So I do two classes a week. I do yoga, you know, massages. I had to, you know, put that on the back burner since COVID, but massages for years, I was getting one every four weeks. So things like that. And then your mindset, you know, practice mindfulness, practice mindfulness and make sure that whatever needs to be healed as per your emotions and all that, because these things drive chronic illness is not just a physical break. There is, you know, stuff in your emotions. I love that you said that. I was um, just getting ready to ask you about yeah. mental health. How do you feel about yeah. mental health? Because in our community, it's hard uh, it being African-American and having a diagnosis because people feel like we already use this or that for an excuse. Oh, so now you're sick. So, and then mental health, uh, going through these battles, people don't understand where we have to isolate ourselves because we have to become one to understand that we have mm -hmm. to love ourselves and it's a new challenge it's a new walk for us so how yes. do you approach mental health I would say that um I know that in our community people do not um like seeking therapy if you need therapy seek therapy if you need medication take medication you know because depression and MS go hand in hand and the depression is not even so much because you're not depressed because you're disabled or because you're sick. A lot of times because the MS is affecting your brain, it actually comes with depression. So all these things need to be addressed because if you don't address it, it's really hard to heal and to move forward because they all go together in tandem. So as you're doing all those physical things, you have to do the emotional and I would say even spiritual. I'm a Christian and I'm close to God and that is my belief system yes. and it gets me through. Yeah. So whatever higher power you believe in, you know, latch on to that as well. It is very, very important. Yes. I love um, that you are a Christian. I am a Christian. I, but everybody has a different belief, but um. I do believe that I would not have been able to get through this battle without God. And mm -hmm. uh, Karen, uh, Karen Hawthorne has a song called Pray. And I, I was playing it before I had this interview. And uh, she said, uh, when I can't make it through the day, that's when I pray. Pray, uh, yes. 
you know, when I can't make through the day, that's when I pray, even though I, everything basically is going good as that's when I pray. So, and prayer for me is something. So I love that you said, you know, believe whatever you believe in that spiritual power, latch on to that. Um, yes. Not to get too spiritual for other people, but not spiritual for me because I know who helped me through it. Yes. Um, I also want to point out that she is on Clubhouse. She has her Instagram page and she has so many motivational or a holistic approaches living or she gives you beautiful food presentation because honey my food presentation isn't <laughs> as, as beautiful as hers and also it's just funny she did a story where she said she went to whole foods and only spent twenty dollars just walking in whole foods you know the first thing you pick out is 4.99 but to uh, manage living holistically she she points out and shows how to live holistically um i love what you're doing can you please give me a quote or a line that inspires you and keeps you going or that you reference to in life hmm a line or a quote or something you live by that just something gives that you I, what i live by is really latching onto god honestly yeah. That is what I live. That is the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is um, gratitude, gratitude, you know, meditation, mindfulness. But I, I, I start by saying, God, thank you for waking me up this morning. Mm. And then I do my devotion and all that. So that is how I prime myself for the day. So that is definitely something I live by. And it's funny because this morning I actually just posted something on IG that I called my, my moral code. And the top five things there are part of my morning routine as well. So um, it's, it's really funny that you, you bring that up. I just posted it. <laughs> I've been, I've been uh, I'll, have, I'll have to look. And that's why I asked you guys to go follow her on IG um, uh, because like I said, I've, I've been a little, busy, but I, she definitely gives uh, some inspirational or says, shows us how to live. Um, I asked you for advice, you gave me advice. You empower others. What empowers you? We know Christ empowers you, or should I say, what things in your life empower you to keep moving forward? Um there's it, it's gratifying when you help people and that that keeps me you know that that keeps me from wanting to get up every day and give back to the ms community the chronic illness world um i'm i'm realizing more and more that a lot of the things i have learned since i got um, you know sick in 2014 a lot of those things are not necessarily common knowledge. And there are things I have pieced together from so many different sources. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I talk about a lot of these things, people are like, I've never heard, heard this before. And nobody's ever said mm -hmm. that to me before and all that. So I'm just realizing more and more that I have a lot to give. And it is gratifying when you tell someone, oh, you know what, this is your problem, try this. And um, so even though I'm not actually practicing medicine anymore, 
it still kind of feels a little bit like that because as a person, that's what I live for is helping people. That's why I went into medicine in the first place. So yes, honestly, that's where I draw from is just seeing people light up when I do something little to help that doesn't even cost me anything. Okay. So what has this battle taught you about yourself that you didn't know or you knew, but it wasn't as bright as it is now? Um, it has taught me that there is nothing that I cannot get through. Um, just with resilience, with faith, and of course, support of family and friends and all that. But I, there is nothing that can come my way at this point that will crush me. I definitely understand. And I love that. This is the part of my podcast that I love. I was talking to Dr. Folek about that this morning and uh, explaining to her about why I love this. But let me explain to you why I love this part to certify somebody wants to be. Dr. Folek, you have faced so many unimaginable battles that you have dealt with without knowledge without anybody confirming with feeling maybe that this isn't it, or you know that this is it, but somebody making you feel crazy, but you still became a doctor and you still fought for others and you still continue to fight for others and you're open and you love blessing others with your knowledge so nobody feels alone. And that's why I wanted to certify you one sick B. I've seen your Instagram. I've seen what you're giving out. I've seen that you were an African-American woman who was a doctor who was thriving with this disease and willing to share and help others. So I, one sick B, Dr. Foleg, would like to certify you one sick B. The definition of one sick B is a strong individual that fights through unimaginable, undeniable, courageous battles that life throws at you without warning but you refuse to carry the spirit of brokenness. So I want sick B certify you, Dr. Folek, one sick B. Thank you. I would also ask you if there's anything else that you would like to say. And I also need your um, Instagram where you can be found, uh, your clubhouse, all your information, because there are those out there that are going to listen and they're going to want to know where they can go find this courageous woman. Where are you located? Thank you. Um, on Instagram, as well as Clubhouse, my handle is the same. It's at Falake Taylor MD. My website is falaketaylormd.com. And um, for people on IG, the easiest way to you know, get to all of these um, different places is to just go to my link in bio. My link tree has all the other um, links in there. And um, for anyone going through, really going through it right now, where um, multiple sclerosis or any other chronic autoimmune or other illness is concerned, what I will say to them is don't give up. Help is on the way. Don't give up. Thank you. And I also will have Dr. Foley's uh, link in my bio uh, where you can find her at and Thank you for coming and being a part of One Sick B. And thank you, kings and queens, for listening to One Sick B podcast. And until next time, stay blessed.
Know you question life a couple times, but it's okay, you grown. Know you gotta read between the lines, but it's okay, you on it. Know you got some people in your life that's gonna make you want it. Know you got some people by your side when you look into their eyes. All you ever do is smile, cause they make you worth it. Already know this life ain't perfect, but you gotta work it. You got adapted to the pain, and you got used to hurting. And you're the one that's needed help, you used to offer service. You're not alone, not by yourself, and don't forget that. You're always fighting, always fighting for the get back And you always trying, always grinding and I'm with that You're such a fighter and your strength is where your gifts at You know every day's a fight, but every day you getting up and perform When you think there's nothing left, you gotta know you got more Let's not forget that God sent his strongest soldiers to war like, God sent his strongest soldiers to war Every day's a fight, but every day you getting up to perform And when you think there's nothing left, you gotta know you got more Let's not forget that God sent his strongest soldiers to war like, God sent his strongest soldiers to war